0: We follow them too, and we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Okay, you guys, this week, we have got a killer interview. As a heads up, we are going to be releasing it in three parts throughout the week. But we were so fortunate to speak with Taylor Frankel, one of the co-founders of Nude Sticks. I'm sure most people are already very familiar with Nude Sticks, but if you're not, they're a cosmetics company that does things a little differently. So they literally say Nude Sticks is a collection of foolproof makeup crayons. Yes, you heard that right, makeup crayons that take care of all of your needs, leaving you with a fresh faced, no makeup, makeup look. And so I think that's the really cool part is like, they're literally an entire beauty line that's meant to look like you're really not wearing that much makeup at all. It's a really interesting
1: concept. Mm -hmm. And like it, I like how she talked about it kind of has followed this trajectory of women in general when they had more time to get ready in the day and they maybe weren't working, but now it's like, women are busy. We are booked and busy. We've got places <laughs> to go, people to see. We don't have that much time. Um and it's a more natural look is kind of the trend right now and I I really love that. I hope it stays that way. Same. Um but yeah, and I'm just so impressed with Taylor as a business person as well. Like she's so smart. She knows the ins and outs of her business very well. She's so well spoken. And like it's yeah, it just blows my mind. So in the three-part series, we get into um, lots more tactical things, but this first episode is really just to get to know Taylor, understand the journey of news sticks, how she's built it with her family, which is just such a cool story. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think let's just get right into it. Let's do it. We are back with another episode today. Today, we have Taylor Frankel with us. She's one of the co-founders of Nudestix, which I'm sure you've seen all over the place. They're in Sephora. They've scaled crazily over the last few years. But Taylor, for those who don't know, let's start off the episode hearing a little bit about you, who you are, and what Nudestix is.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We are just talking about Toronto brands and just how small of a community is and how we love to support each other. So I'm very excited about this podcast. So for those of you who aren't familiar with me, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the co-founders of Nude Sticks. and we launched Nude Sticks about eight years ago. So in 2014, I started the brand with both my mom and my sister. My mom, Jenny, she's a chemical engineer. She's actually been developing cosmetics for 20 plus years. So you can call my sister and I beauty babies. We've just been surrounded by beauty and cosmetics Here. literally since we can walk. So it's kind of always been a little bit of second nature to us, but it's interesting because as we were kind of going through this coming of age process into our teenage years and really you know, understanding beauty and makeup and really identifying ourselves or even just creating a self-identity through cosmetics and makeup, we began to realize that we actually were kind of the opposite of what we thought we would become as teenagers when it came to beauty. We actually wanted the complete opposite, which was natural makeup, no makeup makeup, less is more, minimalist beauty, and so that's exactly what sticks is. It's the easy, fast, effortless beauty, you know minimalist, multitasking makeup for the modern day woman on the go who has a career, who has a home, who has a family. The one thing she doesn't have is time. And so that's where we come along. We're about beauty for real life and creating beautiful, luxurious products that are accessible and all on the go. And we're vegan, cruelty-free. And I can check other boxes as well from clean to preservative free, et cetera. We can get into it. But yeah, that's essentially what sticks is.
0: You've done that once or twice. It was too good. (laughs) So I actually, I found that to be one of the most interesting parts of your story is like your mom just happened to be in the industry. She had actually started her own brand. If I'm correct yeah which is amazing so yeah. she had the entrepreneurial bug too was there ever a point when you were like oh i don't know what i'm going to do when i grow up or did you always know this was in your future
2: i actually had no intention of getting into beauty growing up i was the tomboy of my family so like my mom would literally beg me to put on a skirt or a dress or to put on makeup my sister was the complete opposite she was the dancer the girly girl she loved pink everything and yeah. so like I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do. I I knew I loved business. I was a little bit more on the creative side and I did want potentially to go into fashion. That was ideally where my head was at. But then in 2012, I guess, my mom actually exited her previous company, which was Cover Effects at the time. And she had a two-year non-compete. So for those tuning in, a non-compete essentially is when you can't, you know, work, with a within the same industry as your previous company, or even with like a similar brand or similar cosmetics. So, she had this two-year non-compete for her. This was kind of amazing because this was her opportunity to finally be this this mom, be at home, embrace her two teenage daughters before they move out of the house. And um, she realized very quickly that we view beauty very differently than the way she grew up viewing beauty, or even her generation, right? Like, if you think about our parents or our moms or our grandmothers, she comes from the Mac generation or the Sex and the City generation. Totally. Right? Like, it was all about more, like, more artistry, more color, and more hair, and more time. And I remember, if you think about even our grandparents' generation, like, my grandmother, she would wake up literally an hour before my grandfather, go to the bathroom, do her hair, do her makeup, take out her rollers, go back into bed, and when she woke up, she was fully done. That is so so sex in the city. I can't handle it. So sex in the city and like (laughs) honestly iconic, but like who has time for that? And also like we're a totally new generation of women who, you know, work and we just want easy and we want effortless. And also we're embracing our natural selves. Like to be honest, I have no intention and like could not be bothered to put on a mask of makeup every day. I'm not an artist. Also, we want to empower women and men to feel good and confident by looking like themselves, but maybe a little bit better than how we just woke up in the morning. So <laughs> yeah, it was my mom. She kind of, I guess, brought this to my sister and I's attention to say, listen, this is the way you see beauty and there's nothing out there right now that's speaking to you, your generation in an authentic way. So I think we we really need to do this and let's kind of take a leap of faith. And that's kind of what really kicked off nude
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Okay. And Fill in the audience on how old you were when this yes. all happened. So I was 17 years old when we launched Nudestick. So I was in my last year of high school. I graduated high school. I did actually attend business school for about a year and a half until I decided to actually take sabbatical. And I call it a sabbatical to this day, but it's honestly, like <laughs> <I> dropped out. <laughs> hey, um, you never like, know. We may never. be back there one day. Hopefully not. <laughs> who, who knows? I mean, I don't think I'll be back, but I think for me at the time, I just felt like I was doing kind of everything. Excuse my language, a little bit half-assed. I wasn't mm-hmm. fully in nude sticks. and I wasn't fully in school. Actually, probably more nude sticks than school, to be honest. But my school was yeah. lacking. And so it would make me super anxious. And my school wasn't the most accommodating with my schedule because I would be gone for two weeks launching a new market. And then would be like, sorry, I'm not in class. And Like, okay, you obviously can't complete this course. So yeah, I decided to just really work on nude sticks full time and grow. With the Which is mm-hmm. honestly
0: so admirable because you hear of people who leave university and you automatically think, you know, I don't know, a million things. You think that they they have like these huge moonshot dreams that they're trying to pursue. Nude sticks at the time already deserved your attention, right? Like it was already going to a certain point that you were launching a new market. How would you describe the growth stage of the company when you decide to pull the plug on school?
2: Honestly, we were – I guess a year and a half, two years in very startup, like we're quite small. And I think anybody who's looking to start a business will often ask the question, when is the right time to focus fully on my brand or fully on my business? Is there a level of fiscal responsibility or profitability or how large do I need to scale this business in order to say, Oh, I'm going to quit my, my other full-time job, or this is no longer a side hustle. It's a full hustle. Um, I think, to be honest, like to really scale and grow our business, we really need it to be 100% in one of the ways I really like to think about it. And a lot of people I speak to who are launching brands will give themselves this timeline of growth. So they'll say, Okay, I'm going to put in x amount of money. And I'm gonna focus on this for X amount of time. Maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year. To be honest, you need, especially within beauty, any type of consumer good product, like you need to give it at least three to four years, I think, especially at retail. So it's a big commitment. You're investing a lot financially. And especially in the beginning, when you don't have a large team, it's the founders, right? Mm -hmm, Running and launching new markets and meeting with media and influencers and going into store and meeting with customers. If you're not doing it yourself, like you said in the beginning, it's about storytelling, right? Those initial few years, those are your prime relationship building years to connect with your customer, connect with your retailers. And That's what will bring people back at the end of the day, that emotional connection to your brand. So, yeah, yeah, I I needed to take that leap. And I think for me, I was a little bit more fortunate when it came to the finances because I was a little bit more confident to make that decision because we had our family invested personally. And obviously, there was a lot at stake from a family perspective, but I knew I had my family and we can all lean on each other if there was an issue. And we did have a plan B and a plan C. so mm-hmm. And some people don't. Some people kind of risk it all and put it all on the table. But if if that's the case, I definitely think you need to have this two to three-year plan on what those finances will look like and, and what that scale or what that growth will look like and what you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No, that makes total sense. I'm curious, since you were so young, and I know you've been mostly the spokesperson for the brand since it's been founded, right? Yes. Okay. So How was that? Like, you were so young, you'd done some university courses, but in terms of your confidence and honing your speaking skills, what was that process
2: like? Did it come to you naturally? Oh, absolutely not. Like, I I mean, God bless anybody who has the natural ability to excel and to speak to large crowds, but that definitely was not me. I was a very introverted person. I would literally have a panic attack if I was in class and I had to present to my my classmates. It was that bad. And I remember my mom was a huge mentor for me because she obviously had been this brand spokesperson for her previous company and, and done a lot of media training in the past. And for me, what made me feel the most confident, firstly, was knowing my brand so well and feeling so confident that I was the most passionate about my brand. I knew our story so well and our story was authentic. So there was nothing that I was trying to, you know, memorize or I wasn't creating this makeshift story to appeal to people. It was just a true, authentic story and it was my life. So it made it a lot easier. And I think at first I definitely had a little bit of stage fright, imposter syndrome, all of those things. But over time, and as I've grown, definitely become more confident. And I think finding people that you really respect in the industry, and and they can be almost like these fake mentors where you have no direct line of communication with them, but you're watching everything they do. And maybe it's a YouTube video, and maybe it's a podcast, and just really watching what they do, like how they speak, their tone of voice, how they present themselves, like, and and yeah. kind of You know, imitate that or emulate that, and what you do, and then it becomes your own in a way because you're taking pieces and bits from other people, and eventually you just have the confidence to to make it your own. But it definitely was not second nature. (laughs) (laughs) I actually I
0: appreciate that even more because you had to work for it. And something I don't think people give themselves enough credit for is you have to teach yourself that you can do hard things early, and that's what sets you on a completely different trajectory. Later on, it's because you've built this muscle. You trust yourself. You know you can do it. Now, I'm curious you say you were nervous. You didn't know how to public speak. You were 17. I mean, come on. How did you know that even though mom was successful with the MAC style beauty, how did you know that the less is more makeup
2: was the right route to go? We didn't. Like, we, (laughs) I love how I'm just preaching, like, everything that we did when we launched Nude Sticks was. Really, out of finding a solution to our own problem. Right. So, you know, I think there's a lot of larger corporations who will come to the table and be like, oh, hey, like we've done the market research. We know there's a white space. You know, we've we've kind of spoken to customers. We've done our due diligence. For us, we just looked at our own community. We looked at ourselves. We would stand on sidewalks and watch the modern day woman, whether she was doing her makeup on the backseat of an Uber or on a subway, or maybe she was at a local cafe and we would just observe. And a lot of that came from real life. We also would look to social media. And that was our way of solidifying our idea. And the more we traveled and the more our brain grew and the more markets we would visit, the more confident in that philosophy we became. Because if you look like whether you're in Toronto or New York or LA or Paris or Singapore or New Delhi, you literally look at the woman who's like at work where she's a mom. Or she's a busy woman or she's in school. She's the exact same. Like we're all wearing makeup wow. to just look and feel like our best selves. And every single customer that would approach us would say the exact same thing and why nude sticks appeals to them. And it's because it makes them feel like the best version of themselves because it looks like skin because it's easy to use and they don't have to wear all this makeup or use all these brushes. Over time, it, we became even more confident because we're like, oh my God like this is not even a local thing. This is a global trend. And beauty is definitely a huge aspect of this whole concept of minimalism and less is more. But it really does speak with so many different aspects of life. And I think COVID accelerated that, right? Yeah. Whether it's your beauty routine, whether it's from an eating perspective, whether it's just like your home, right? A lot of us talk about Marie Kondo and the concept of minimalizing your home and how it just helps with stress and anxiety and happiness. So I think it really does transcend so many different um, areas of life. Mm -hmm. And as you were speaking about how you built
1: your confidence and then also this, I think it comes back to you or your own target market. Like you knew there's a gap because you weren't seeing the products that you wanted to use. And I think that's super powerful. We're going to deep dive into some other topics shortly, but before we do that, let's run through our rapid fire questions. And sorry, if you can hear my dog barking in the background, (laughs) she just really excited about rapid fire. Yeah, Yeah. she does. (laughs) Okay. First off, what trait do you most
2: attribute to your success? Hard work I mean, just getting really down and dirty and... Getting through the bad days because there will be many of them when launching a business and being very solution oriented. Because even to this day, eight years later, we still have so many things and hiccups and issues within the business. It's just making sure you're solution oriented and you act quickly and just work your ass off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of things. Just try harder.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know. I actually I like that advice. It's all encompassing. Mm-hmm. How would you describe yourself? Maybe give us three or four words. I would fail an
2: interview process if someone asked me question. <laughs> I would say passionate. I don't know what another word for this would be, but I have a very chill mindset. Where if there is a problem that comes to be, like I'm very much so of the opinion that cool heads prevail. I love cool. that. You
0: know, Kara from from Hinchwater, she calls it her zen. And she says, every time problems are brought up, I step into my zen and I prevent myself from acting emotionally. It is massive. Highly, highly underrated.
2: Oh, the last mm. thing you want to do as a leader or a CEO or, you know, a founder of a company is to act with emotion because everybody looks to you in those moments. So you need to be very calm and level-headed and really be the um, neutral decision maker in those situations. So mm-hmm. everyone works clearly. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
2: Next up, what gives you energy? What gives me energy? I'm very introverted. So having moments to myself, for sure. I That's feel bad.
0: Hard. hard to do when you're all over the world, launching a new markets every other day.
2: But Oh, yes. I would have moments where I would go into my hotel room and I would literally just like sit by myself, whether it was like, watch Netflix or just like, take a bath for like, a good hour. And I just needed that time. Otherwise, like I'm a complete mess. Like my anxiety, mm. is like here. So yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm the same. And I used to travel for work and there'd be after parties or mixers or whatever. I would sneak in the hotel past the bar. and like, please don't see me. I can't go. I need to go lay in bed and not right. talk to anyone. Yeah, I would literally crave it at the end. So yeah, kindred spirits in that sense for sure. Yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe along the same vein, the next question
2: is what advice would you give to your younger self? The advice I would give to my younger self. You know, I think a few things. Firstly, I think I was always terrified of saying the wrong thing or honestly acting my age. I was also where I needed to be at this certain level of maturity as a brand founder. But I think trusting myself and allowing myself to have a voice in those moments where I also had a ton of self-doubt. So I think being more confident in what I had to say was super important, especially as there's so many brands right now and so many large corporations that are looking towards the younger generation for feedback and advice, even about the TikTok generation, right? I don't know how many brands are now bringing on Gen Z consultants to teach them how to use TikTok and what content they could be doing. What are the trends? So I think really trusting yourself. And I know it's so much more difficult than how it seems or how it sounds, but um, just trusting your voice and being confident in what you do. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of things I would say, but I don't want to go on forever, so I'm just going to
0: No, that's that's a good one. That resonates so much. So, when I was in high school, I did this co-op. I didn't know what I wanted, so I had just worked at this random marketing consulting agency, and one of their clients was the Heart and Stroke Foundation, and it was the same thing. They wanted the younger person's perspective. I was the youngest person in the office by like probably 25 years, and I remember going into the founder's office and shaking and she's showing me all these pictures and I'm like I don't know what's best. And I just picked the one that was the least ugly and they ended up going with it. But then that taught me that even though I'm young, clearly my voice mattered. My opinion had an impact. So mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think it's one of those things you just have to tough it out the hard way and just learn it through
2: trial and error. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also just know that it's okay to not know everything. And it's that right? Like at such a young age, you're not going to know everything there is about launching a brand or having a business. People, you know, surrounding yourself with really smart people is the smartest thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And surrounding yourself with people who have expertise in other areas that you may, although it is important as a brand founder to know all aspects or at least what's going on in your business, but hire people that are smarter than you. For sure. Love that. Mm -hmm. Good advice.
1: Yes. Okay. Next question. What's the last book you
2: read? The last book I read 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think. Who wrote that? Is that Robert Greene? No, I think it is Brianna Weist. Brianna Weist. Okay. Yes. I've heard about it.
1: I feel like I heard Kendall or Kylie or someone
2: recommended it, which is very random, but. it's one of those books, like you honestly don't even need to read the whole thing or read each chapter after the other. It's a great, almost like therapeutic, it's almost like a self-help book uh, where each chapter kind of speaks to different ways to help with anxiety, or maybe it's, you know, different ways to conduct yourself in business, or even from like, you know, it's okay to like, not know everything in your 20s, just a like little life tips that you can literally read in the morning, a part of your meditation routine or your morning routine with your coffee. And each chapter I think is like max 10 pages. So it's a nice book to read as like leisure. Another book that I really love or author I really love is Simon Sinek or Sinek, I believe. We love him. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. So
0: We we were literally just talking about the infinite game on the last podcast we recorded.
2: Amazing! That's actually the book that I'm reading right now. It's so good. Ah, okay. I think we need to read it. That's that's a sign. Two in a row. Yeah, it's great.
0: Needs to happen. Okay, what's a brand, obviously other than your own, that you're loving?
2: Another brand that I'm loving. Hmm. I'm really loving. I'll say I'm gonna plug in. Uh, four three seven. Love. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) At (laughs) four three seven. Another uh, Toronto friend. Of
0: course you need to plug it.
2: Love it. Yeah, exactly. And I genuinely just like love their brand. And and Hyla and Adrian and their whole yeah. team, they're really killing it with you know their influencer marketing. They've grown in such a massive way over the past few years. And they're truly they're just D to C is incredible. So yeah, love their brand, love what they're doing. Yeah. Big fans of 437 as well. And yeah, Hyla and Adrian, I've only met them once, but
1: they were just so sweet such smart, kind people. So yeah, great recommendation. Next question is, what's one thing you don't understand?
2: Um, I don't understand so many things. (laughs) Um, I think I'm still like, I don't know if it's, I don't understand truly. But I think I have so much learning to do when it comes to leadership mm. and managing people. I think as a founder, there are many founders that start businesses that don't become the CEOs of their company and maybe yep. just are more involved from a creative perspective or a marketing perspective who don't love the whole leading and managing side of things. Mm-hmm. I personally, like. I love working with my team and I think my team is everything. I, we wouldn't be where we are today without them, but it's, it's definitely challenging working with so many different personalities and it's taken us a while build up a team that we feel really confident in that works so well together. So I would say I'm definitely still learning that, I guess, area of the business. And it's exciting because at the end of the day, you're nobody without your team. So yeah, that's one thing I guess I don't know fully yet and I'm working on. Yeah. I don't know if
0: anyone ever knows it fully. I'm a new manager at my day job and like I've read every book. I swear I've listened to every podcast and I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. So work in progress. But I love the fact that that's something you called out, especially as someone who started a company so young. It's not like you had a million other jobs to learn from other managers. You really have to go take that extra step to bring your personal development or professional development into your own hands.
2: Yeah, it's definitely tough. And I'm a non-confrontational person, uh, a very non-confrontational person. And so finding also my way of leadership, there are so many different ways. Like my mom, for example, she's been doing this for so long and has her way that she loves to lead and manage people. But finding that I definitely have a different style of leadership kind of finding what works for you and also being so cognizant of how people react and what works for them. Because as much as something could work for you and how you like to approach situations, you need to also identify, okay, what is this person like? What is their personality? How are they going to react to the situation? And on an individual basis as well, which is a hundred
0: percent. I always tell myself that I have to be the chameleon and just adapt to whatever situation I'm in because you're right. Two people, we hear the same message completely differently. And so, you know, you have to tailor it. The last question on this rapid fire section is who do you think gets it?
2: Who do I think gets it? Who do I think gets it? This might be a stupid answer, but I don't think anybody gets it. Like, I really don't. I'm sorry. Wow, that's the that's first, first time I got I this. like it. Yeah. Really? Keep going. Like, Tell us more. I, I feel The more people I meet and the more executives, and I think this is a coming of age as well. Like, so, when you're young, you look at your parents and you're like, my parents know everything, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. you know, immortal people who know all the ins and outs of life, and they're just full of, which they are, by the way, they're full of knowledge. And that mm-hmm. just comes with age, right? The more you know, and I, and I even speak to like certain executives or people who have huge positions at huge corporations. And I think everyone's just figuring it out as much as you are. And I think that gives you confidence. When you understand and you learn that really, everybody's kind of winging it and no one really knows everything. You're like, oh, okay, that leaves a lot more room for error. And error is okay. And error is good because you will learn from it as cliche as it sounds. But yeah, no one really gets it. <laughs>
1: such That's a good, good answer. I don't know. That's just such
2: opinion. a good answer. Plot twist, and we're here yeah, for plot it. Twist. I know this this podcast is <laughs> about getting it, but like we really don't we don't get it. And that should be so good. You it, right? I don't know. No, it's true. Okay. I
1: completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Completely. <laughs>
0: I'm obsessed i know i am (laughs) me too me too such a gem i'm obsessed with taylor i'm obsessed with nude sticks and i'm just gonna go buy out all of their inventory honestly i love hearing stories like this sometimes um canadian brands struggle to maintain their spot and really to get going let alone when they're started by two girls that are still in high school that's insane to me and like Yeah, they had a mom who had been in the industry for a while and obviously was sharing some tips, but what these girls have done, what this family has done is incredibly impressive.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really is. And yeah, it's just fun to get to know Taylor a little bit better too. She's just so sweet. Um, And yeah, in these next episodes, um, we're going to get a little more tactical. So stay tuned in a few days. We will be releasing an episode all about international expansion, especially as Canadian entrepreneurs. Um... We were wondering, you know, is can it be more difficult to do that as a Canadian business? What does international expansion actually look like? What do you have to be thinking about? What are you doing when you're traveling around the world to launch a new country? So we dive into all that with Taylor. She gives so much good tactical advice. So check that out in a few days. Um, in the meantime, if you haven't listened to our YouTube videos yet, uh, we're now putting all of our episodes on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we're a little hurting in the subscriber category. <laughs> so if you could go ahead and subscribe, we would love you forever. I mean, we already do but please subscribe please Please subscribe to our channel and until two days from now have a wonderful two days and we'll see you soon (laughs) see you soon